Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier, and this is the NL Full Time Podcast. Welcome to NL Full Time. Now, we weren't going to do one again till next weekend, but it's a lot happened on Easter Monday, so we're just going to have a, a nice little review <coughs> of what happened across the three divisions in the National League on Easter Monday. Rob Worrell, he can't join us, he's, he's full up of chocolate eggs, but he did send us his report on the National League, so we'll get that on from him shortly. Uh, Chris Pratt is joining me though, hello Chris. Hello Luke, I'm full up on chocolate eggs too, but I'm still here. <laughs> Hopefully the chocolate's still not around your gob, but there we go. It was a, a dramatic day across all three divisions, uh, uh, Chris will give us a take on the North and the South later. But first we'll start in the National League, and Rob gave us his little roundup as well as catching up with Lee Bradbury. There's been quite a few developments at a few clubs over the last 24 hours. So here is Rob's taking it all. As far as the National League title race goes, well, we gave those Bank Holiday Monday games a big billing, didn't we? And ultimately it was uh, a professional solid job from Leighton Orient, ensuring they got a point in the goal of straw with Solihull Moors, which kept the distance of three points between those two sides. And ultimately, with Salford's unexpected defeat at home to AFC Fylde, the title is all bar Leighton Orient's now. They're three points ahead going into the final game. They've got a, a better goal difference of five on Salford as well. So barring something like a 3-0 win for Salford and a 3-0 defeat for Orient, then the title is going to East London. Credit to Solihull Moors for staying in the race right to the very end. It looks, though, like them and Salford, they'll lay in wait with home advantage and allow the likes of Fylde, Wrexham, Harrogate and Eastleigh to battle it out in the playoff eliminators. Probably the biggest surprise on Bank Holiday Monday was uh, Wrexham losing 2-1 at FC Halifax Town. So they've sort of slipped and slid their way through to the playoffs, as did Harrogate, who, who have at least ended with a little bit of form. They beat uh, Gateshead on Bank Holiday Monday. Filed, well, they'll be really buoyed for the playoffs with that win at Salford, who they could, of course, meet again in the playoffs in the next few weeks. At the other end of the table, it was pretty much done, really, but uh, we now know that Maidstone will finish plum bottom of the National League. A couple of Blair Turgot penalties wasn't enough to avoid them dropping a couple of points at Sutton. Aldershot came out on top, uh, comfortably on top actually, in the fight to finish fourth bottom with a 2-0 win over Haven and Waterlooville. The both goals coming in an opening 24-minute spell in which Aldershot played some of their best football for many, many months. And 2-0 win for the shots uh, and finally an, en- an end to that wretched home run which extended 12 games and uh, all the way back to November the 3rd since their last home win. After the game I caught up with the then Haven't and Waterlooville manager Lee Bradbury and as you'll hear in this interview he had absolutely no idea what was coming. I'm joined by Haven't and Waterlooville manager Lee Bradbury. Well Lee we already knew the outcome in terms of the relegation situation for Aldershot Town and haven't in Waterlooville today, but there's still quite a bit to play for, and there still will be next week, of course. Uh, what's your reaction to today's result, which uh, isn't the one you'd have wanted? Yeah, exactly that. Yeah, no. We, to be honest, we looked a bit lackluster today. I think we've uh, got a lot of injuries at the wrong time. Four games in seven days, and the lads looked absolutely knackered out there today. Um, we didn't have a change of pace like we normally do, and the energy we normally play with. We couldn't get around a big pitch on a hot day, and uh, and they done they done it better than us. They kept the ball better than us, and. Having said that, we had decent chances in the game. One cleared off the line ahead of tips over the bar and a couple of 1v1s. So um, we had opportunities to score and I felt if we got a goal with sort of 25 minutes to go, we, we might get something out of the game, but um, we couldn't break them down. 
been a tough weekend for you, hasn't it? A, a, a superb first half performance against yeah. Ebbsfleet, and and then obviously well documented what then happened beyond. And uh, y- your counterpart manager today, uh, Gary Waddock, he was able to freshen things up. He finally got a decent squad available. Mm. You would have been nice if you could have freshened things up with six changes, but it just wasn't available to you, was it? No, exactly. No, we made a, we made a couple of changes, but um, you know we weren't able to make six. I've got first team coach, stroke sports scientist on the bench, and Lee Molyneux is he's still. Um, he could still play, but he's, he's not been um, set foot on the grass this year for us. So, got another lad, David Banjo, who's, who's here and not getting paid a penny just because he wants an opportunity. So, you know, we, we had to make changes. We've got seven lads out injured. Um, we're not the biggest squad anyway, but as I say, it probably came at the wrong time today against a, a good side at playing at home, their last home game. I thought they, um, they played well. Now, uh, you and Gary Waddock got something else in common. You don't do things by halves. It's uh, promotions and relegations. And, and now, last time round, haven't stuck with you after relegation. You got them straight back up. Now you've gone down again. Can you give us any indications to your future as far as you know? Are you staying with the club? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We're already planning for next year. Mm. I've got another year left on my contract. I've shown when I'm given the tools that I can get the team promoted. But it's been a tough year for us this year. We always knew it was going to be hard. Um, in, in against sort of majority of full-time teams and we only train Tuesday, Thursday and if we have a game Tuesday we've got two hours on a Thursday so you know all my lads work so it's, it's always going to be a tough one for us with the travelling as well so we can hold our heads high mm. that we've um, we've come above some full-time teams hopefully and uh, you know there's always that chance of a reprieve for whoever comes forth from bottom as well. Football's all about what happens in both boxes and uh, yeah. you've got quite a unique record in this league. Sadly, uh, and something to work on in the summer, the worst defensive record, but I think eighth top scorers in the league. You must be proud of that. Yeah, definitely. From mm. a striking point mm. of view, it's good. We've scored the amount of goals we have. It, like you say, it is about both boxes. We come into the league with a very good defensive record, so I start with the, the lads that have got us there. And, um, you know, we only conceded 10 goals away from home last year and lost three games. This year, obviously, different standard, different, mm. different players and you know, more organised team. So we've, we've found ourselves wanting in that area, to be honest. Oh, that's brilliant. Well, thank you very much indeed for being so honest with us, for joining us after this defeat. And we wish you well, and we'll see you, of course, next season. So that was Lee Bradbury, who spoke to myself uh, just 15, 20 minutes or so after the match in full belief that he'd still be in charge of having a Waterlooville next season. But that's not to be. And he wasn't the only managerial departure on Bank Holiday Monday either because Paul Doswell, who has been taking a temporary break from the reins at Sutton United, uh, has now been announced that uh, he will be departing Sutton. And it'll be interesting to see how that affects the club because uh, he was more than just the manager, he was the owner as well. We'll wait and see what further news comes from Sutton over the next few weeks. So that was Rob Worrell with his roundup and a few managerial changes. And I'm sure we might hear about a few more over the next coming days. And if you do, you'll hear all about it here on the NL Full-Time Podcast. We're going to look now at the National League North. Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League North, Chris, well, I mean, we heard from you. You went up to Charlie on Easter Saturday and it looked like it was advantage Charlie. We said, even Jamie Vermiglio said it, we felt that Stockport County were going to win their remaining two games. They did the job against Kurs National Easter Monday and then relied on Charlie to lose, and it took until the fifth minute of injury time, but lose they did, 1-0 up at Spennymoor, and all of a sudden, it's 
Stockport County with one hand on the title with a trip to the bottom club Nuneaton as their last fixture. Look, at this this stage of the season is crazy. I thought for all the world when I left Victory Park on Saturday that, that Chorley would, would go on and win the league title. Even though they had that difficult trip to Spennymoor, Spennymoor are in good form. Chorley were immense on Saturday and it just looked like, I just thought, you know, this is their title. It's meant to be for them. However, yesterday I was at the Stockport County Curzon game and the Stockport County Curzon game, it was an interesting one. Uh, County were 2-0 up in, in no time at all, really. And then the crowd were desperate for them to score goals against Curzon because there's a, there was a six-goal difference between the goal differences between Stockport County and Chorley. And if, if County could have bagged more goals, it would have sort of negated that, that, uh, that goal difference that is in favour of Chorley. They didn't do that. They missed a lot of chances. And then all of a sudden, right near the end of the game, a big cheer broke out throughout the whole stadium. It was one of them really strange moments that you only get at the end of the season. It was the biggest cheer of the day. And it was because Glenn Taylor had scored for Spennymoor. And as you say, um, County are now in pole position. They're now a point clear. Funnily enough, I did have an inkling because Charlie must have put a lot of energy into that game against Stockport County. Then you've got a long, it was a hot day, wasn't it? Then you've got a long trip up to Spennymore on another hot day in front of a hostile crowd. You know what Spennymore are going to give you and it was never going to be easy. But a point, if they could just tell out for another 30 seconds, a point would have kept it in their hands with a home game against Bradford Park Avenue. Yeah, absolutely, and they did have a penalty as well that they, they didn't convert about 10 minutes before the goal. I, I did look at Jamie Vermiglio's post-match interview. He, he did say on the balance of play that arguably Spennymore did deserve it. I think they were the better team in the first half, and he did admit he said a draw would have been an absolutely fantastic result. I think he did. He also mentioned that all his players said they were fine after Saturday, but in hindsight, you know, some of them may have been a bit tired and uh, he may have uh, looked at that. In hindsight, he may have uh, wished he'd looked at that again, but it's a hammer blow, isn't it, when something like that happens? But you never know, there could be one more twist and turn. County have got to go uh, away to Nuneaton on Saturday, and obviously Chorley have got that home game against Bradford Park Avenue, who are also fighting for their playoff position. Yeah, I was going to say, we'll turn our attention to the playoff positions, because Bradford are in that last playoff position, and, and they've got to get something against Charlie, ideally a win because by Spartans have leapfrogged them into sixth, Telford are down into eighth, they dropped out of the, the playoff picture for the, the first time in a while and, and Dickie was saying, wasn't he, I think Telford are in decent form, they've only lost one game in the last half a dozen but a few of those have been draws and they're out of the playoffs on goal difference so they've got to go to York and get something and then they'll be looking across the Pennines. Yeah, absolutely, I mean, yeah, it's... It's a shame, isn't it, really, for Telford? Because I think they've been one of the best teams um, that I've seen this season. And to drop out at this stage is, is really disappointing. Blythe have put on a run, um, Alan Armstrong, and I saw them, obviously, a couple of weeks ago. And they're, they're the team who've put in the, the spurt at the end. But still, I think one of those teams isn't going to win their match. So if you can win on Saturday, if you're Blythe, Bradford or Telford, I'd be surprised if all three win. So if you can win your match on Saturday, I think you're probably going to get in those playoffs. Yeah, as I said, AFC Telford, they visit York, uh, their last home game of the season, so they'll want to go out with a bang. Blyther at home to Southport, 
you'd look at that on paper and say that's a winnable game and then Bradford Park I mean, you've got the toughest test at a lot because Charlie as we said earlier will still want to win in case stop but can't we do slip up watch this space Dickie went to Kidderminster versus Leamington on Good Friday and you heard the interview with Paul Hollerin in the latest podcast from the weekend and he also spoke to Mark Yates which we didn't play you out but on Sunday the news broke that Mark Yates had then left the club it was because basically he's probably not going to be considered for the job next season and he felt there was no point in taking the last two games and another managerial change is needed at Kidderminster. Yeah it's a shame I spoke to Mark Yates as well a few months ago at Curzon Ashton and it it seemed like he was uh, he was all set for the long haul he was all set for, for trying to put something in place and, and, and take the club forward next season as well. It just hasn't happened has it? It just hasn't really happened at Kidderminster and you can't really really put your finger on it um, they've conceded uh, quite a lot of goals, but they've you know they've scored a decent amount as well. And um, I was quite surprised by that one. Having said that, you know Kidderminster have got big ambitions. They're one of the bigger clubs in the division. They don't want to be finishing in in tenth spot. Difficult for Mark Yates because he's took over halfway through the season, and it's always difficult to you know to bring your people in and stamp put your stamp your authority on things. He's not going to be there next season. Moving on to the relegation picture, that was. All done and dusted on Easter Monday. Also, Geisler got a vital win over Darlington, which meant that relegated SC United of Manchester and Ashing United, who both lost their games anyway. And uh, it's been looking like that for a while, Chris, but Geisley have been struggling to get the job done. They finally got it done on Easter Monday. Yeah, they did, didn't they? They've left it, they left it late, but they finally got there. And uh, I was listening to uh, Russ O'Neill's interview, and he said that when they went out of the FA Cup, the results just went downhill from there. But one real positive he did mention is that for the first time in 20 years, the club is debt-free. So they'll be looking ahead to next season with a with a lot of optimism. For the other two, for, for Ashton United, well, I think that they have enjoyed the ride this season. They've picked up nine victories. It's been a great place to go to. I think everyone who's been there has enjoyed the trip over over there. Great people there, and I'm sure they'll uh, I'm sure they'll bounce back up, and I'm sure they'll look back next season and think that was a, a fantastic time that they had in the National League North. FC United, on the other hand, will be really disappointed. I think that they have dropped out. It's the first time that the club has suffered a relegation. We've got the fan base there to bounce back and to have a good season again in the uh, in the Northern Prem. It'll be interesting to see how they rebuild. I would imagine there'll be a lot of new players there next season as they as they look to rebuild and uh, try and bounce straight back up. Now there was a tweet sent out from the FC United account yesterday saying Neil Reynolds has said he'll stay on if the fans want him. So it'll be interesting to see what the fan reaction is to that. I think I think it's a bit more mixed than people think, actually, Chris. Right, yeah. I mean, I mean, my view on it would be that he's a, he's the man for the job. To be honest with you, he knows um, he knows the Evo State leagues. He knows a lot of the local, the players around the area. He'll be able to bring in people who are going to perform in that league. And I think it'd be a wise decision to keep hold of him. Uh, that's my view. What's yours, Luke? Anyway, <laughs> I agree with you. He knows he knows that league, doesn't he? He knows Evo State well, but. Uh... Yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting. I think the way he spoke and he's tried to get the fans on side. I think you've got to give him a chance to re- rebuild his, or build the squad in, in the mould that he wants and see how it goes. But I think the thing for him is that FC, FC United have only known successes of their first relegation in their short history. So I think he's got to try and hit the ground running and at least be within the, the playoff spots in the first sort of two or three months of the season. 
Yeah, it, again, it was another. He's another guy taking over part way through a season, isn't he? Although, albeit he did have quite a lot of the season, so he again had to um, had to get the most out of of what he had. And every time I saw the FC United team sheet, there's, there was a big turnover of players this season. I don't know how many they've used throughout the season, but maybe that consistency as well was um, proved a bit of a problem. So we're going to look now at the National League South. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. And in the National League South, we're going to start off at the bottom. So we heard from Ian Herring uh, over the weekend on the podcast, and he was very bullish about their chance of going to Torquay. He said it's a good pitch. We're going to look forward to it. And look forward to it, they did. They went and won at the Champions-elect Torquay, who incidentally haven't won since they've become champions Easter at 1-4-1 against Welling, denting Welling's playoff hopes. We'll get onto the playoffs in a minute. And Choro drew 2-2 at Hampton and Richmond Borough. So that result means that Easter are relegated on their 50th birthday. And Hungerford have got a sniff and it is advantage for them, Chris. Although, if they slip up against Easter this coming weekend, then Choro can still stay up. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I've... I've looked. Uh, I've looked at the highlights of that Hungerford Torquay game, and the scenes at the end were absolutely magnificent. And the, when they uh, we squeezed that late winner in, Torquay went up the other end and went close as well. So that would have kept everyone's hearts in the mouths. I think in that Hungerford Hungerford end, all the away fans, all the staff, but they closed it out, and that is a huge victory because it's given them a massive advantage now. Well, they basically need to avoid defeat at home against East Thurrock, who are already relegated. Um, to, to keep their place in the National League South. And Ian Herring said it was a game that will live long in the memory. I'm sure it will. Now, on Truro City, they would have thought that they were, they'd pulled off almost a possible great escape of their own as well because they were 2-0 down against Hampton and Richmond away. They came back and drew 2 all with a late goal of their own. But what that means for them is that, yes, they're now three points behind Hungerford. And essentially, they need to win their last game Hungerford need to lose, and that would mean that Truro stay in the National League South. So it's it's all to play for at the bottom. Truro, they host Inform Slough Town, and Hungerford, as we said, play Easter at home. Easter will want to go out with a bang, and it could have been a relegation six points, but Hungerford at home, you'd probably have to fancy them, Chris, wouldn't you? I think you do, yeah. I mean, you would, and... and Normally at this stage of the season you want to be playing teams that have got nothing to play for but you know East Thurrock won the last game 4-1 <laughs> against Welling who were, were right up near the top of the table so it could be more difficult than um, than than they think and I'm sure that Ian Herring won't take anything for granted on, on Saturday. Yeah, looking at the playoffs in the National League South, as I said, although Welling lost 4-1 at Easter, it's not really dented their playoff hopes as such. They just stayed in third. Chelsea City can't catch them. They're in fourth at the minute. But you look after that, uh, you've got Chelmsford, Bath, Concord, Bill Ricky in the, play- in the fourth, fifth, sixth and seventh in the playoffs. And then below that, you've got St Albans, Dartford and Wealdstone, who can all gate-crash the party, as can Slough if the results all go correctly for them as well. So that's all still to play for on the final weekend of the season. Exactly. It's going to be a fascinating one, isn't it? You're going to want your as-it-stands table updating all the time. What I would say is I think Concord will be... Concord are fine now. They'd be a, an absolute freak if uh, if they didn't make it in the playoffs. And just on Concord, what a run they've been on recently. You know, 
they've um, they've beaten other playoff contenders. They beat a they beat St Albans crucially two one with two early goals. They've had two trips to Truro recently. They've had a three point deduction and they've put in a they've done what Blythe have done, haven't they? Really in the in the north, they've put in that that crucial burst. Um, towards the the end of the season, and I think they're going to, bar a freak mathematical occurrence, they're going to be fine. The others, yeah, as you said, five teams playing for one space, and um, it's anyone get anyone's guess who's going to who's going to get that last one. I think you'd want to be one of the teams who'd uh, won the last game, so you're going in with a bit of confidence, and that would be Dartford and Wealdstone. Uh, Billericay St Albans lost the last game Slough Drew but uh, it's too difficult to call isn't it Billericay are the team in, in possession of that position at the minute so if they won they're fine they'll be, uh, be in the playoffs so yeah. I guess you possibly want to be in their shoes Yeah Billericay do have the toughest game on they play Bath City he'll be looking to win that so they can go into fourth and avoid the super playoffs and also get a home advantage as well in the playoffs at Chelmsford, they visit Chippenham Town. St Albans, they host Torquay, who, as we said, haven't won since they become champions, but they'll want to go out of the National League South with a bang, so that won't be easy for St Albans either. And Wheelstone host Hemel Hempstead Town, who it's a localish game, but they'll, uh, they've got nothing to play for, really, Hemel. Concord go to Eastbourne Borough, who, as we know, are now safe. So, anything to play for? Do you think, Chris, that's how it'll stay in the table? Or do you think, they'll be, again, a bit like the National League North, there'll be a, a twist and a turn? Well, I wonder whether Torquay is the game that you want. I know that sounds ridiculous, but uh, that could be the, the opponents that you want there. And so so you never know. St Albans might be rubbing their hands together. One, I think Dartford are away at Oxford City. That looks, you know, that could be one where Dartford are playing a team with, with nothing to play for. It's it's too difficult to call, isn't it? Um, I think the old adage, though, that I think like Rob says, I think most people would agree with, is that points on the board is the best position to be, and that's where Billericay are at the moment. Well, that is it for this week. I sort of we're giving you a bonus NL full time. You lucky, lucky lot. You are being spoiled this week. We'll be back this weekend where we'll mop up everything that has happened, including what's happened in step three as well. Who is getting promoted into the National League North and South? Follow us on Twitter at NL Full Time. You can email us nlfulltime at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us as well via iTunes or Spotify. Chris, thanks for joining us. Yeah, cheers, Luke. And are you going to Nuneaton on Saturday, Chris? I am going to Nuneaton on Saturday, yes. Excellent. So I will, uh, we'll try will... and get some Stockport County reaction then, hopefully. Yep, absolutely. Brilliant. Thank you all very much for listening, and we shall see you all over the weekend when the next podcast comes out. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye.